Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chicken Nugget Day podcast with me, Justin Cellini. On this week's show, I thought it would be really cool to bring someone on who was actually not from the state of New York. So on this episode, I have a good longtime friend of mine, Jennifer Martinez, and she is a math teacher in a private school near San Antonio, Texas. So I thought, you know, a lot of people are looking for teaching jobs right now, and I think a lot of people who are listening to this show might want to become a teacher. And uh, the fact of the matter is, sometimes it could be hard to get a job here in New York. A lot of people are competing for jobs here on Long Island especially. So sometimes people do need to relocate down south or uh, other places to in search of their dream job of becoming a teacher. So I thought it would be really cool to get a little bit of insight on working in a private school, on living and working in the state of Texas. So without further ado, here's my longtime friend, Jen Martinez. Well, Jennifer Martinez, welcome to the Chicken Nugget Day podcast. How are you today? I am good. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Yeah, Thank you. This is awesome. This is the first time I'm, I'm thinking about it now that I've had someone from out of the state of New York. So this is very exciting. We're going to get a little hey, bit of hey, the Texas that. experience. I was hoping you'd have like a cowboy hat on or something, you know, make it seem like you're... Oh, darn, missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Maybe we'll find one later. So, so I know you've heard the show a million times before. You know, we like to start on a, a fun little note. You know, it's the Chicken Nugget Day podcast after all. Yes. And you have the benefit now of living in multiple places with access to probably some fast food places that, I don't know, maybe don't exist in New York. So if you had to pick a chicken nugget, I don't know. I have my fingers crossed here that maybe it's something other than Wendy's. But if it's Wendy's, I'll, I'll be okay with that. But do you have a favorite chicken nugget? I do, and I feel like I'm going to get judged for this. It's okay. Um, my favorite is from McDonald's. McDonald's. All right. What, what do you like yes. about the? What's good about the McDonald's nugget? It's crunchy on the outside. It's rare that there's like a surprise bit on the inside, Ooh, and it kind of yeah. tastes like popcorn. <laughs> yeah, surprise bits. I'm not a fan of the surprise bits. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you appreciate the the consistency of the McDonald's nugget. Absolutely. What yes. do you ketchup? What what sauce do you do? Sometimes buffalo, sometimes ranch, yeah. sometimes just straight up, just dry nugget. Dry nugget, yeah. I guess it depends yeah. on the mood, right? Exactly. Do you like any kind of spicy sauce on your nugget, or you or not so much? Because for me, like I don't know, it's kind of overkill sometimes. Yeah. No, I like if I'm going spicy at all, it's just a buffalo. Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, my McDon answer should have been that my favorite nugget is uh, are my kids because I call them my nuggets. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> do they eat nuggets? They do. They yeah. eat dino nuggets. Of course. I've never met a kid who didn't like nuggets <laughs> and dino nuggets are a big hit. No. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, there's a vote for McDonald's. Uh, we don't, we, you know, Wendy's is far and away the leader, but um, good for you for sticking up for Mickey D's. That's awesome. Exactly. All right, Jen. So we've known each other since longer than anyone I've interviewed on the show, I think, which is pretty cool. Since 2003. Ooh, breaking two records. Yeah. We met uh, in the fall of 2003. We were undergrads at Stony Brook University. Um, Babies. Do you have a memory about how we met? I, you have a more vivid memory of it than, than I did. Care to shed a light on that first Funny encounter? Funny, because... I feel like my memory is the one that shot. I remember sitting in the cafeteria by myself. Student activity center. Approached. I was probably I was probably eating pizza. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, I probably was too, but I remember just sitting there by myself because I had no friends yet. Nor did I. And um, you approached and I have no idea what you said to me. You really don't remember at all what you said I to really me either, don't. right? It had to be related to class, like our, our astronomy class that we were taking. You're like, hey, you're in my astronomy class, right? <laughs> <laughs> that class is fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I remember. And I probably panicked wondering if you were hitting on me or not because <laughs> I had a boyfriend but we became like great friends clearly so it all worked out <laughs> yeah that was such a weird time for me and I, I know I've talked about this with with my students you know deciding to stay home for college was you know comforting in a way because like uh everything I knew at home was still here I didn't have to adjust to yes. the dorms I had my car still I still had my part-time job um, but all my friends were gone. So that first semester at yeah. Stony Brook was like a big adjustment period for me. So I think I was just so desperate to seek people out. I was like, all right, it's time to step <laughs> out of my shy comfort zone and make some friends. Um, and I did little by little. I met you in the fall of 2003. Um, yeah. the same semester, actually, I met my friend Jamie. I don't know if you remember my friend Jamie from Queens. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever met Jamie, but we still hang out. So yeah, I, uh, I managed to make some friends and uh, I'm glad you're still around, which is awesome. Yeah. And I was really surprised. I mean, getting to know you and who you are and how you actually are kind of a shy guy. Thanks for approaching me and starting the friendship. <laughs> I mean, go you. Yeah. It, it's, it's been an experience getting out of that. I, I, um, I think I told you this. I took theater my last semester at Stony Brook and I think that busted me out of my shell a little bit. It was like an improv class. That's cool. It was That's really fun. Cool. Yeah. Like you couldn't, you weren't I know allowed I took to be a shy. theater class. I don't remember where. Yeah. Yeah, you weren't allowed to be shy. Like, you wouldn't pass the class if you were shy. So you get right. your butt on the stage, you act something out. Um, so I credit that with a lot of my uh, ability to not be so shy. Um, it's good for a teacher. That was a good class. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Though I don't know about you, but I still have trouble public speaking-wise. Like, if I have to speak in front of, like, my peers... Yes. I, I can't do it. With kids, it's a little bit different. I don't know why. Maybe it's a confidence thing. You you know that no matter what, you know more than them because they're kids. But uh, with adults, I'm like, I don't know. I'm still a kid when it comes to speaking in front of my peers. But I totally agree. Yeah. Um, first day of school, I'm good. I mean, I can jump right into teaching. If I'm being observed, I'm actually still okay. I sure. can pretend they're not even there and just do my thing. Me too. But the minute I need to speak to a room of my peers... Yep. The awkwardness sets in. I feel that. Mm -hmm. So Stony Brook, what made you decide to go to Stony Brook? Did, did you also consider maybe going away? Because like, I, I think, I don't know, I, the, one of the reasons why we do the podcast is, you know, to give kids, you know, obviously this is a motivational tool, but also, you know, life mm -hmm. advice. And I know a lot of people listening are maybe juniors, seniors thinking about colleges and where they might go. Should I stay home? Should I go away? Can you shed some light on... Uh, your decision-making process? Like why, why sure. Stony Brook, yeah. Um, I know that I was trying to keep it cheap. So I was looking at yes. state schools mm -hmm. and um, I actually was really contemplating going to Albany. My dad really wanted me to go and get the away experience without being too far away. And I made the silly choice, kids listen. I made the silly choice of trying to stay super local just because of who I was dating. Ah, yes, yes, um, yes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to stay really close. So I drove, what was it, an hour and 20 minutes each way to Stony Brook just for the sake of staying at my house. And that was 
a terrible life decision. Um, In a car that was but, less uh, than reliable, if I can just add that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that car. And Whew. I only got my license that summer. Oh, wow. So it was just all around bad news. Um, so I, I didn't really put my all into that freshman year. Um, it was very much a learning experience, but I mean, ultimately Stony Brook was still a great school. And so I chose it because it was close and it was, in my opinion, the best of the close ones. So it was just the perfect fit for what I was looking for. Yeah. I mean, obviously now, and I really, we really didn't even get to introduce you so much, but you're a teacher, you're in Texas, but I know you didn't start out with that in mind, right? When you got to Stony Brook, where you just kind of try to feel your way and see what you wanted to do or did you already think no i always knew i wanted to be a teacher um they actually for a time had math education as a major yes i was like one of the last groups almost that was allowed into that program and then they were getting rid of it or something or transitioning it to just math but i was i was majoring in math education um i've known since i was three that I wanted to be a teacher. I hadn't even been in school yet. And I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. So that was never a question for me. Right. Well, that's awesome. So, all right. So let's follow up with that. Like why, why teaching? Why since three years old, why did you want this job? Tell us a little bit about that. Why since three? That's, that part's a really good question. Yeah. I'm not really sure what got me into it. I, maybe I saw something on a cartoon or a show as a little kid, sure. and I would play teacher all the time with my imaginary friends. I would just have my pretend class, and I'd take my pen and pretend to write on the wall, and I'd teach my class. And my grandfather loved that, and he bought me a chalkboard to hang up on the wall. And then when I was about... 10, I was teaching my five-year-old brother fractions because (laughs) he was the only audience I had. 10 years old. I still Um, can't do fractions. That's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what a fraction is. Come on over for a lesson. What is a a one (laughs) slash two? I don't know. Sorry. Continue. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, really, that's it. It was just an idea when I was a kid. It's something that I just romanticized, I guess. And my grandfather really pushed it. And it just became like, yeah, Jen's going to be a teacher when she grows up. It was just never, I had maybe a six month question about whether or not I wanted to be a pharmacist, but Hmm. I went back to being a math teacher. And why Mm -hmm. math? Did math just always come easily to you? Because we all know, and everyone who's listening knows that social studies, best subject, (laughs) but so why math? (laughs) Social studies was always one of my worst. Really? I just, I loved math because it was a puzzle and it was something to just play around with. It was almost like a game sometimes, just trying to come to the right final answer. And then knowing that sometimes there were different uh, paths to the same answer, it was just fun to me. And um, I just liked that no matter whether there were multiple ways to get there or not, there was one final answer. And while I really also liked English class, I uh, realized I didn't want to write all those papers. Mm. So um, math really won out in the end. I liked it from the beginning. And it, again, although I questioned temporarily, I always came back to it. It always just came naturally to me. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I feel like the thing I like about social studies is that there is no final answer. It's like everything is Mm -hmm. arguable. And I just like to argue. So uh, that's, that's, that's really cool. 
So let's talk about your teaching career, you know, because um, I think a lot of people listening, um, I I hope anyway, maybe are considering education as a a potential Mm -hmm. career and want to know a little bit about, I feel like everything that comes from me is about being a social studies teacher. And, you know, so it's cool to have a math teacher on because I know that comes with its own set of challenges. Of course it is. Yeah. And, um, and you don't teach in the state of New York. You obviously relocated and you're, and you're working in a private school. So I would love to hear a little bit about that because I'm sure your teaching experience is way, way different from teaching in the state of New York. So uh, how did you get your current teaching job? Like what, what's working in a private school like? So I was actually teaching in New York temporarily. I was um, covering for someone that was on paternity leave. Okay. So I was working there doing eighth grade algebra one. Gosh, I, block that time period out because it was rough. Um, <laughs> I forget That's right fair, now. yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, I totally forget. But um, I did that for about three months and it was a very rough learning experience. Um, grew a lot during that time. And at the end of it, I we were already talking about moving to Texas and they actually did offer me a job. And that was wonderful. I could have started my career officially in New York, but we were already in the process of buying the house in Texas. Mm. And so um, I thought that it was going to be a time period of not teaching because I had to transfer my license over there and take all those tests all over again and fingerprinting. I had to do all of that. Sure. And so since we were moving there in June, July, I thought I would have a year of not teaching at all. <clears throat> um, Then I was kind of just looking through sites, just seeing what was available in Texas still. And I stumbled across this private school site and they happened to have a geometry position open. So I submitted a resume, filled everything out and just took a shot. And they contacted me and I had a, uh, not Zoom, a Skype meeting at the time because Skype was the video chatting service. Yeah. Um, So we were Skype meeting and I remember having trouble, ironically, with my video and audio and he couldn't see me, but I could see him. For the record, ladies and gentlemen, Jennifer does not use Apple products. So that explains her technical issues. Sorry. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we had this whole meeting where I could see him and he could only hear me. Mm -hmm. And afterward, I sent him my um, LinkedIn profile just to show him that I wasn't some crazy person and I'm not like covered from head to toe in tattoos trying to hide myself. Um, and he actually appreciated that. And two weeks later I was told that I was hired. And, um, so I was hired while still living in New York and then started my job like two weeks after moving here. Wow! So it was a really fast transition, but it all just fell into place. Yes, exciting though. At least I knew like my teaching career was beginning. Absolutely. So private school, I have, I've never been to a private school. I've, uh, I've never attended a private school. I've never certainly Mm -hmm. taught in a private school, but you went through public school when you lived in New York. So Mm -hmm. how would you compare public school and private school? Like just like the daily routine, like what kind of light can you shed on that? Yeah. Um, the it's it is very similar. Okay. I mean, the kids are very similar. Kids they're a mix of personalities and nationalities and backgrounds, and they're just all just a mix, and they're wonderful. Um, the only major differences is the students have to wear uniforms. Right. So 
um, that's a regular. And on Thursdays, we have chapel every week because we are a private Christian school. So we have that. And um, as far as the curriculum and whatnot goes, we still teach exactly the same stuff as public school. Um, our kids do not have to take the state test, though, which I found interesting when I started there. In Texas, we have what's called the STAR test. So it's similar to the New York Regents. And our kids don't have to take it. We just prepare them for SATs and ACTs and all of those college prep tests. But we make up our own finals and midterms otherwise. Um, let's see what else. The star test. The is that like school? a test on like just Dallas Stars hockey trivia? Is that like what basically happens? That's exactly I it. I figured. Yes. All right. I would fail that because I only know about the Islanders. But... <laughs> Listen, I still know nothing. I'm in Texas. I should know so much about football and I know nothing. You are in a football place. That's for sure. I know. I know. I'm a sh <laughs> um, it's a shame. That's okay. It's you probably know more than I do. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know about that. <laughs> Honestly, if you were, if like, if someone, you know, uh, asked me, I don't think I could name like five professional football players right now. Honestly, I don't think I could do no. it. No, yeah, pretty Tom, sure I can't. Tom Brady. No. <laughs> yeah, it's about it. <laughs> ben Roethlis. 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 I don't know how to say his name, let alone name him. So forget it. Nope. I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But so the big difference. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The big difference about working or teaching in Texas versus New York, <laughs> I found the excuses are different. Um, Ooh, give me an example. I'm curious. At the end of at the end of last school year, I'll never forget this. It was it was such a pivotal moment of realizing that I work in Texas. Um, when we at the end of not this past school year, but the end of the one before that, with the whole 2020 fiasco starting, and we all sure. went online. I remember trying to track this one kid down just through the computer, trying to ask him where his assignment was. And eventually I finally got a hold of him like a day and a half later. And he was like, Miss Martinez, I'm so sorry. I was turkey hunting and we got <laughs> delayed. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard that one. I was one. like, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Turkey yes. hunting. Yeah. So what did you say to that? Did you just laugh? Like <laughs> That's all I could do. Yeah. I was like, I ha I, I've never heard this one before and I don't know that I ever will again. So congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> just get it done. <laughs> that's so funny. Turkey hunting. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so you lived in the New York area most of your life. I know you, you were born in Queens, right? And then you moved out mm -hmm. to Nassau County. So when you get to Texas, is there an immediate mm -hmm. culture shock or was it not that like what you're in the San Antonio area, correct? Yes. Yeah. So is, was there a massive culture shock going from Levittown, New York to San Antonio? I expected there to be. And there wasn't that much. I mean, we're in we're not in downtown San Antonio. We're in the outskirts. Um, so we're in the suburby area. So mm -hmm. it was still very much like Long Island in that case. Yeah. The only difference for the neighborhoods were that they were in clumps. So like this group of houses is called this neighborhood and this group is called that neighborhood. It doesn't really intertwine as much as it does in New York. Okay. Um, but otherwise it was all the same. I mean, we had all the same chain stores and, you know, little mom and pop shops. And the only thing that was truly missing were bakeries mm. and delis. And I yeah, miss them terribly. pizzerias. Well, you said, you, I think you told me we recently. We found some decent Italian. Yeah. 
I'm skeptical, but yeah, probably. Well, most importantly, speaking of chain stores, you know, the kids know I shop at two places for my clothing. Do you have Coles mm-hmm. and do you have Marshalls? Yes. And yes. Okay. I, I could maybe live in Texas then. All right. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. Your kids would miss you terribly. But... Yeah. I, I don't know if I could do it. Couldn't do it. Well, all right. It's not that bad. Uh, it's just so far, man. Well, it's cool for you it guys because like your, your family came with you, you know? Yes, right. my mother came with us and my in-laws came with us. The rest of my family's still in New York, though, but that's what gets me flying back there to hang out with Justin. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Anything else different about Texas versus New York that, that kind of jumps out at you or jumped out at you when you first got down there? I will say something that jumped out at me when I last visited last week to New York. I realized that Texas is much cleaner. Mm, and I'm sure. Um, that made me appreciate Texas a bit more because I, I always miss New York dearly. It's my home. I lived there until I was 28, 29. So it, it was my home. And so going back there and actually feeling a little bit like, okay, I, I miss Texas a little bit. Wow. It was surprising wow. to me. So I now have two homes, I guess. I guess New York so. is not my only home anymore. That's it. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, like, what could explain that? I guess maybe a higher population density. People have been living yeah. here on the East Coast, just generally speaking, you know, when people came yeah. to uh, North America. So we've we've been here longer. We've been dirtier longer, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe one day San Antonio will get dirty, too. Well, it's possible. Probably. I mean, <laughs> it's just that Texas roads are constantly under construction. Yeah. So there's no opportunity for garbage to accumulate because sure. it's just going to get ripped up next year. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So like I said, I think, uh, well, I know one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is to get that insight into the, you know, the whole teaching profession. Um, So for those listening, you know, who might be considering entering the field and want to know, like, what what does it take to be a good teacher? What do you think makes for being a good teacher? And And I know it's it's maybe tough as a math teacher in some ways. Maybe we talked about this recently. Maybe connecting with kids is maybe Mm-hmm. more difficult as a math teacher, but what do you think just in general makes a teacher a, a good teacher? Um, I actually think about this a lot because as we spoke about recently, I feel like I'm constantly trying to figure out how to be better sure. as a teacher. And I think that's um, a really important thing is to always be reflecting yes. and asking yourself that, all right, what? how can I make this better next time, right? Absolutely. Um, So I know that something I've learned is to find that balance between showing just compassion and grace and just patience and understanding that kids today are under so much stress and they're being pulled in so many different directions. Um, But at the same time, like I said, it's a balance, finding that balance between that and also helping keep them accountable and helping teach them responsibility and not letting them just do as they please or not turn things in as they please. But it's working toward finding that balance and sometimes, or not sometimes, often, finding that balance is different for each kid. So it's not just finding that balance for you, it's actually getting to know your students and trying to figure out what's best for them. So really that's what makes the best teacher is actually analyzing each kid individually and not assuming that, okay, this year I got it means you're going to have it next year. Yeah. 
every year is different. Every group is different. Yeah. The one size fits all approach does not work so well in this profession. You know, it might work well for most, but there will be that kid that if, I don't know, if you continue on that same course, you you might lose that person. You know, you might have to try something different. Um, I think, I think that's a great point. hundred percent. Um, so are you, for you personally, like what, what qualities about you do you think your students respond to? Like, I, I, I ask myself that all the time. I, I don't really know what it is. Maybe it's the, the goofball nature. Maybe it's multiple hobbies that the kids kind of gravitate towards or the silly podcast. But like, what about you? Like, cause you've had success. Obviously you're the department chairperson down there, which is super cool in and of, of itself. I am. I am. So what do you think has made you successful? Or like what, in terms Um, of your teaching qualities or just you as a person? Honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know. Um, I know that I try my best to do what I was just explaining. Um, I know that my kids tend to react well when I'm real with them. When I can be honest that maybe I don't know the answer to that question and I don't try to present myself as a know-it-all or if I can laugh things off and not take a certain behavior too seriously or too personally or anything like that. If I really try to speak to them as people and not just as kids, they absolutely respect me back more as well. You know, it just, it's a matter of mutual respect as people. If I show them respect as people, they understand and remember that I'm also a person and we have a lot more patience for each other. So I think that attempt anyway, because I know I can also be a very impatient person. Um, but trying to maintain that has definitely helped. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but you basically descri- described Confucianism. So go, go you. That's awesome. Go me. <laughs> I'm all about that. That's great. Excellent. Yeah, I, I agree. Did you, I don't, me personally, I struggled a bit with like classroom management when I first started, because as a new teacher, mm-hmm. you've, especially me being 25, you know, I had seniors, they weren't that much, you know, younger than I was like riding that line between, I want them to like me, but I also need them to do what I need them to do, like the work and stuff. I, I struggled with that for maybe a couple of years and it's easier now. Cause I feel like I'm like their dad's age and they're, they're I'm, I guess I'm, I look scarier now, but uh, in the beginning that was hard for me. Did you struggle with that at all? Or was it not that hard for you? I did the difference for me. And I don't, I don't condone like, or suggest that everyone does this. I found out I was pregnant the first week that I started that job. Oh, wow. Um, So being the new teacher and the new pregnant teacher (laughs) and the new pregnant teacher from New York, I was an interesting person to these kids. So while there were some that were behavior problems or that had behavior problems, um, for the most part, they were all really good about it. And they were really supportive. It's not possible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I had a lot of things that made me stand out, I guess. So it just, it got them always asking me a lot of questions and, um, I don't know, we just managed to have a good respect. And actually that group of kids, I had them for geometry my first year. And then the next year I moved into algebra two. So they went with me. So that was really great too, that my second year teaching there, it was a the same set of kids. So we already had that relationship developed. So I had a very unique situation for my first couple of years, a very convenient situation. Um, So it's hard for me to say for a general point of view, but I totally understand 
how, how classroom management is tough because once I no longer had that group and I wasn't the pregnant teacher and I wasn't the new <laughs> teacher anymore, that's actually when it started to get a little bit tougher. Yeah. Um, but that's where I had to start figuring out the whole relational part of it. Yeah. I, I feel like it gets easier over time. You develop certain strategies. Yes. Um, we don't have to get into that now, but that's, I think for a new teacher, content is content and like, uh, you can learn content. You can learn classroom management as well, but I feel like that takes more practice. You know, it's, it's easier to just yes. read a book and like know a fact or how to solve a problem or understand this yes. word fraction. I don't, I don't know what that is, but, um, what is but it? like <laughs> classroom management and how to adapt to each different type of personality that yes, they teach that to you in methods classes in college, but you really mm -hmm. need that firsthand experience. And it takes a couple of years. Absolutely. To get it. It really that does. is not something that can really be taught to you. You can have suggestions, yeah. but it's like parenting. You just have to just go with it and see how it flows. Yep. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. See what works for you. See what works for the kids and just figure it out. And then when you think you did figure it out, it's going to change again. So just go with the yeah, flow. I change my policies and, and things year to year all the time. Absolutely. So how, how many years have you been teaching now? I'm going into my eighth full-time year. Full-time year. Okay. Yeah. So for me, this is going to be year 12 coming up and I don't know about crazy. you, but I'm, it's crazy, right? I'm always looking to improve things year to year. Um, you know, we have a brand new Regents exam in social studies and I'm looking for new ways oh, wow. to okay. teach some of these new skills that they're looking for. So I feel like I'm always trying to adapt what I'm doing and I have some cool videos in mind to help with that process. But for you personally, is there- Of course you do, because you're course. so good. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I like making videos. Um, so year eight, what are, are there still things you're looking to improve? Can you like, can you like nail always. like one or two of them down? Like what, what's challenging about being a math teacher that you're looking to, uh, overcome the question of mrs martinez when am i ever going to have oh, to use this please touch on that because that apply i don't care what <laughs> subject it is that applies but you guys have it the worst so please yes please dig into that at least in geometry i have a little bit more that yeah. i can say well this is used for this and that's used for that and but there are some things you know what you might never actually use this but you know what you will use? The perseverance and the patience and the hard work and the problem solving. That's what you're going to use even if you don't use Sokotoa. <laughs> You'll still yeah. have to use what you're learning from the problem solving part of it. Sure. And so I hate that question with a passion and my students learn that quickly. And so if they ask that like after quarter one, they're only asking it to push my buttons, but that is really it. It's all about not necessarily the content always, but what you're getting out of the process. I feel like if it was me, I would tell them, well, you should have a job that you do need to know that stuff is what the answer should be. Because if you do, yes. maybe you have, you know, a really great job and you have some serious bucks uh -huh. coming in because not everyone can do that kind of thing. My brain cannot process Sokotoa. I mean, you know what? I was pretty good at Sokotoa. Anything that had like a funny thing, like a PEMDAS or a Sokotoa or a foil, you guys still foil? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could, yeah do those. I, could, I could do those things. But I got to like pre-calc and derivatives and that was basically it. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, maybe you should have a job where you need to know Sokotoa because maybe you'll be doing pretty well for yourself then, you know, just saying. It, listen, it yeah. can come in handy. You might one day have to use it. Maybe you're on a game show and you need to use Sokotoa to win $10,000. I, I once made friends with a lot of people <laughs> because I rocked a trivia night when ancient history came up and I was the only person who knew the answers. I knew who Rome defeated in the Punic Wars. All of a sudden, everyone wanted to be my friend. Just saying. Exactly. Yeah. That's when history got cool. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the Roman Empire is very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So let's bring it back to the student a little bit. Like, if you could put yourself in the shoes of a high school kid, you know, obviously kids today have, you know, unique challenges as opposed to when we grew up. But what advice would you give to maybe a high school student in general or to someone who's maybe thinking of becoming a teacher? And you could take either either one of those if you'd like. Sure. I mean, yeah, what I, what I want to say actually applies to either case, whether you're going for teaching or not. Awesome. It's whichever profession you think you want, even if you have someone you look up to in that profession, don't compare yourself to that person. Mm. Um, figure your own self out. I mean, I, and this is not me just kissing up right now. If I go and compare myself to Mr. Cellini here, I'm going to feel like I'm a complete failure. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Justin, um, I'm going to feel like a complete failure because I feel like he is so good at what he does. He engages students, he makes connections. And so if I constantly compare, I'm going to just feel like a failure and not push. But if I use that as inspiration, that's very different. So whoever you find that you're looking up to in your profession, use them as inspiration, not as a comparison, because you're you're only going to set yourself up for mental failure. So just be you, do you, just keep doing your best and figure out what works for you. That's a fantastic point. I, I feel like that's another thing that was I struggled with early in my career. Like, I, I had it in me. I wanted to be great at this profession, but I knew I wasn't there yet. I was a newbie. You know, I'm, I'm learning, finding my way. And oftentimes, <clears throat> excuse me, I would actually go and observe other teachers, people that I respected a lot and yep. I would see what they're doing. I'm like, wow, they have a firm grasp of the content. There are no behavioral issues in this room. Like, how come I don't mm-hmm. have that? And then I would start to get down right. on myself and, and do what you said not to do, compare myself to that person. Yep. But Eventually, you get to a point where I guess you know enough and you have a little bit more confidence and you can be, all right, I'm, I'm, this is how I'm going to do things. And uh, I would also <laughs> recommend just in general, especially if you're you know, going to become a teacher, uh, observe as many people as you can because everyone brings something yes. different to the table. You know, I, uh, I might get the same result on a Regents exam as my next door neighbor, but we might go about it in completely different ways. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's OK. Um, everyone's going to do things a little bit differently and you're right. And that, yep. that could absolutely apply to in any type of career. Good call. Yep. I mean, even going into year eight, I would, if it were okay with my colleagues, I would love to still observe them now just to see things that they've picked up over the years and just keep learning different techniques that could maybe apply because going into it year one, it's acceptable or more acceptable to be doing that observation and picking the brains of your colleagues, but that should just be acceptable all throughout your career because we can constantly learn from each other and share ideas with each other. So just constantly be open with sharing and receiving new information. Yes. Be open-minded, be open to change, be open to learning new things. Um, Mm -hmm. 
the yeah, uh, good, great advice. That's awesome. Thanks. Would you, if you could do it all over again, would you still become a teacher? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I would um, too. I, Aside from being the yeah. president, I think teaching is really the only thing I could do. <laughs> Those are my two options: White House or Sachem High School. Gosh, what would I do otherwise? I don't even know what I would do otherwise. Yeah. Like I said, it was in my head since I was three. Yeah. Me, like eighth, I don't know. Probably by eighth grade, I was pretty intent on doing this. So, yeah, yeah. I, not to get too cheesy, but it really was the dream job, you know. So it's cool to be living. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, I know. I agree. It's what I was meant to do, and it's what I'm planning to do for life. So hopefully you, it works out for me, and it keeps me around. Yeah. Did you have any trepidation, like, entering student teaching, like, oh, my God, what if I don't like this? What am I going to do now? Because I, I had that little panicky feeling a little bit. I was, But then the first day, I was like, oh, thank God, I love this. I knew right away, the first day of student teaching. Did you have an experience like that? or? Um. Yes. I. It was a mix of, am I even going to like this? And it was a mix of, can I even do this? Because yeah. I'm so shy and because I hate public speaking and because this and because that, Fractions. I just kept psyching myself out about it. But like we were saying before, I just, once I got into it day one, I guess, I just jumped into it and I just took onto that role and it just worked out. And, um, I don't know, it, it really felt right from the beginning of that. Yeah. I will say that very every time I got observed um, for my student teaching, every time I got observed, I was sick. And so I would have like no voice while I'm doing my lesson. And so I'm trying to push through and all three observations, I had no voice. It oh, was <laughs> terrible. Of course. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I don't know, it was probably just the stress making me more susceptible, but that was rough. Student teaching was rough. It is rough. It was a great learning experience. It really was. And I worked yeah. with some really great teachers that just had a lot of patience for me and gave me a lot of freedom to actually experience it. They weren't too hands-on or anything. So it was a really great experience. Yeah. If you're listening and you're approaching that student teaching semester, they, you know, you're Professors might suggest not working part-time or doing anything else and you devote all your time and uh, effort to student teaching. Do what they say. I was like, I, I could, yeah, whatever. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I'll work part-time. I'll stay in my band. Uh, I won't get into the details of how that almost killed me, but it almost killed me. And uh, I would not, I, if I were to do it all over again, I would just try to not, I, I, it's hard. You know, we, we need money. We have to get through school. But um, I know. student teaching, depending on who you're working with, can be a job. Because I, I don't know about you, but, mm -hmm. and I would also recommend this to whoever might want to get into teaching. Like, you you might have to jump right in. I jumped first day, I observed two classes, and then and then it was mine mm -hmm. for the rest of my student teaching. Like, there yes. was no looking back. You know, and nope. I did Mine I, too, she was like, here, let's just rip this Band-Aid off, go right for it. Right away. It's like, oh, you saw okay. my lesson? Okay, now do my lesson. And then the next day, I started my own lessons. Love the next day. And I've had a couple student teachers, and I didn't want to throw them to the wolves like that, but I, I think I might, I think I should have, because I feel like that makes you stronger yeah. more quickly. Um, so it depends on who you're gonna be I working with. I know it was with, best for me. Yeah, me too, me too. Because if I, I would've just had more anxiety if I had time to think about it, yes. you know? So, um, and if you want to make a, I feel like that makes a good impression too. If you're willing to just hop in, you know, either, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. As, as a department chairperson, are you a part of any of a hiring pro of a hiring process at your school or not so much? Um, 
I should be. We haven't needed anyone. We have not had to replace anyone since yeah. I started gotcha. last year. So that's great. Um, but typically, yes, I would be part of the hiring process or at least giving my opinion and sitting in on interviews, but have not had to cross that bridge yet. My gotcha. team is intact. That's awesome. Love my team. So it hasn't fractionalized? Wait, sorry. I lost <laughs> that's probably not here, even but... a word. I was just trying to make a really dumb math joke. Never mind. Oh, well, I missed it. <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, did it, it, didn't, it didn't fractionalize or fraction. <laughs> As opposed to it didn't add up. It, it's, it's still a whole number. It's still one over one. Yes, it's still a whole. See, I know some fractions. It's like one over one or two over two. Or there's five of us over five. Five over five. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to like look at some math stuff now. I feel like it's been too long. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you some math jokes. Please so do. Get them. I like math jokes. I like math jokes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, this has been super fun. I'm so glad you took the time to be on the show. And, um, Thank you. You, you start the school year again in like a week, right? You start earlier down south. In one week. Oh, man. August 5th, I start. And August 17th, my students start. So. Man. Time to start preparing. I still have over a month, not you know, not to rub it in, but. <laughs> hey, but you you got out earlier than I did, even though you worked summer school. It's true, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's fine. Enjoy the rest of your summer. I will. I'll live vicariously through your band videos. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again, Jen. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Goodbye.